Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. One, two, three, score! Our fitty don't mess around. Yes, he played it slow, and so we paid less dough. Uh, so Sam is a goner. Can't wait to see our new offense score. Uh, let's try to find our ceiling, because our line alone has me hyped right now. Let's pray for CMC for sticking twos together, and we need him now. Come on, FNZ. You know, uh, when that when he hits the chorus on that, guys, I just want to. I it's it, I I can't stop listening to it. That's a hack song of the week. Uh, we got uh, two more listens at twelve and at one forty. Uh, the resident songbird and manchild of sports radio, ninety two seven FNZ, uh, hacksaw Helbig will be joining us at one forty. For his grades from us, you guys can send in your grades. It is, I would say, you know, yesterday was Baker Mayfield Day. It sounds like the physical went fine. Baker Mayfield is officially a Carolina Panther, yada, yada, yada. But it's really Baker Mayfield week. And I am celebrating Baker Mayfield. We'll we'll talk with uh, Nick Ashu. You know him from uh, CBS Sports Radio in Washington. You also know him from BetQL. About another dysfunctional situation in the NFL with the Washington Commanders. Will Dan Snyder survive? How is the uh, the seat under Riverboat Ron doing Carson Wentz as uh, as they go through uh, a, a journeyman quarterback themselves there? But uh, I, I did start the show, if you guys missed it, sharing the news that uh, this is my sixth to last show on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. And... I will be uh, I'll be heading back home next Friday will be my last show uh, the Monday after I'm going to be on 92 through the fan in afternoons with my guy Dustin Fox it's two to seven it's a five hour show four hours wasn't enough a Nick Wilson my ego was really just not satiated by four hours but it is in that vein that we talk great homecomings because Charlotte is already in the midst of one homecoming, as I am considering or have considered, made my decision on my own homecoming to Cleveland, and that is Steve Clifford. But the deeper we get into free agency, Kemba Walker's buyout in Detroit, he was sent there as part of a deal with the New York Knicks. We're still waiting for some uh, definitive uh, statement on that. We've seen several deals around the NBA already kind of considered final. The Kevin Herter deal uh, from Atlanta to Sacramento. There have been other deals that have been officially consummated. But it it makes the big topic, and I heard it on the Mac Attack this morning, was a Kemba Walker reunion for Charlotte. And as I often do, I tend to skip towards the middle. 
and just get into why I like something. The reality is, Charlotte has been the town of subpar homecomings here recently. Uh, starting with the, the Marty Herney homecoming. If Jerry Richardson gets his head out of his ass six months earlier, Brandon Bean's probably the GM in Carolina to replace Dave Gettleman. Instead, it lingered into the summer. Whatever differences they had lingered into the summer, and then Marty Herney was hired right around the time the Panthers hit Spartanburg. While there were some successes with Marty, the first-round picks were, uh, as we can expect with Marty, pretty decent. The problem is the roster fell apart. Some of that is on Gettleman, by the way. The Vernon Butler pick over other guys that were available. I'm, I don't even want to start going back into this because I don't want to relitigate all this to trigger all the Panthers fans listening. But like the Marty Herney homecoming was about as subpar as subpar gets. Um, what were the other anybody fitty threw out another one? Oh, the Cam Newton one started with so much promise in the Arizona game, and it it fell apart pretty quickly there. So I guess if the if the Charlotte Hornets are really considering bringing Kemba home. Which, emotionally, I'm a sucker for homecomings. I just told you guys uh, that I'm going home, right? Um, the LeBron homecoming. I spent four years hating that dude in Miami. The second I saw the I'm coming home thing, I was, I was, it was like he never left. I, I Very rarely. I think you guys know me well enough through four years here. I'm a pretty stubborn bastard. I switched gears on LeBron James. I broke my own ankle switching gears on LeBron James. I, there's a part of me, and it will not happen given the price that is out there. There's been a part of me that hopes we can get Kevin Durant back to Oklahoma City because I'd like to start liking Kevin Durant again. He'd still be biffing with people on Twitter, and he's still kind of a you know diva chach and a bit of a beta, but I, I would love Kevin Durant to go home. So just the idea of Kemba Walker makes me feel good here in Charlotte because this is my city, because of what he's meant to this franchise, what he meant to the Bobcats slash Hornets being definitively the best player of the Bobcats slash Hornets era. The conversation then begins once we bring in Zoe and LJ and Glenn Rice and all the other myriad of great players the Hornets had the first run in. But for the last 12 years, he was the hope of the Hornets until LaMelo Ball arrived two years ago. But I really think, I think the thing that maybe Jerry Richardson failed to ask himself when he brought back Marty Herney, I think maybe the thing that the Panthers didn't really think through when they brought back Cam Newton. I don't know that the Hornets have thought it through with Steve Clifford either. It is... You have to set the expectations, right? Like the, the the dumbest thing that I thought came out of the Steve Clifford stuff is Mitch Kupchak, four weeks after firing James Borrego, finally had the James Borrego got fired press conference. And people were like, all right, this is great. Why'd you fire James Borrego? I'm not going to talk about that. Then why did you have a press conference? But then... When And again, and then some of the things that kind of he like pointed at were, well, we didn't play the young players enough and we didn't win enough. Which, by the way, those two things are pretty contrary to, to themselves. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm not relitigating re that either. Relitigation with Nick Wilson, 10 to 2.
WFNZ, Sports Radio, 92.7 on the FM dial. But Steve, then when they rehire Steve Clifford in what looked to be a panic move, it could still be a good move. I think Steve's a good coach. I think I've heard from, um, I, I don't know a lot of people in NBA circles, but everybody says, what a coach. But the fit scared the crap out of me. And Mitch Kupchak did the thing that I think we expected him to do, which was talk more about the fit. But the reality is, Mitch Kupchak should have set high expectations for Steve Clifford. When he said the goal isn't just to, to make the playoffs, but eventually the goal is to, you know, make the finals. It was nondescript. It was nonsensical. I don't know that the Hornets helped Steve Clifford with you and I, the Hornets faithful, by not setting definitive expectations. And if they're going to bring back Kemba, I think defining that role is really crucially important. Understand if Kemba Walker returns to Charlotte, it isn't to be the Hornets' savior. It's not to be Kemba Walker. It is to be the thing that the Hornets desperately need. And it was showcased. It was showcased. Isaiah Thomas, after the hip injury, after the, the issues he's had the last few years, Isaiah Thomas is a fringe NBA player. And he made an immediate impact on Charlotte. Why? Because he was an adult in the room and played his ass off. It's so wild to think of what a turnaround Isaiah Thomas made for this team but it's what they needed. They needed a veteran in the room. They needed a steady hand because Gordon Hayward wasn't there. They didn't have enough guys. They didn't have enough mature guys who'd been through the NBA playoff wars. Oubre's been around. He played in Washington and Phoenix when both rosters were in the dumper. Like, Terry Rozier was in Boston. That's one guy. LaMelo, rookie, no playoff experience. Uh, our our second-year guy, no playoff experience. Miles Bridges, no playoff experiences. PJ, uh, McDaniels. Across the roster, they just didn't have enough guys who knew what the stretch run looked like. That matters. That, to me, is what Kemba would be. Kemba would be, because I, I, I was talking with Zoke on air today, uh, over on my weekly hit with, uh, with Bo and Beth on WBT. And Jim was like, well, but he's not going to be Kemba. Here's what he needs to be. And I'm going to bore you with a Cleveland point. So I'm sorry about that. He needs to be what Ricky Rubio was to the Cleveland Cavaliers last year. When the Cavs acquired Ricky Rubio in, in a trade where basically I think they got a pick to take on his contract, everybody in Cleveland just assumed he was going to get bought out. But they saw value of him playing behind a, at that point, third-year point guard in Darius Garland. And... In fairness, Cleveland did not have a lot of pro, uh, playmakers on the court, guys, to create shot for others and initiate offense. Ricky Rubio, off the bench, gave them about 20 to 24 minutes last year. He wasn't necessarily a great scorer, because he's not necessarily a great scorer, but he, he was a veteran on the court that J.B. Bickerstaff could put on the court when they needed an adult in the room because the young guys were floundering. That's what Kemba Walker can be. If you had Kemba Walker this last year during the play-in, if you had Kemba and Gordon healthy along with T-Row, I don't know you get worked the way you do. Maybe you still lose, but I think the play-in game is at least, I think it's at least close. If not, you actually win at least one of the play-in games. That to me. If the Hornets came out and outlined that, he's going to play 20 minutes a night, 
He's going to give us a spark off the bench. And, you know, we don't need him to be Kemba. We just need him to be a leader, a guy who knows this town, who can help this locker room and help LaMelo, Miles, if he's here, and all these other guys learn how to win. That's a successful homecoming. The Carolina Panthers brought back Cam Newton. We're like, all right, save our asses. By the way, he's not Cam Newton anymore. Couldn't do it. The Carolina Panthers hired Marty Herney and brought him back in a moment where they desperately needed a good, forward-thinking, analytically-based GM to rework the roster. He didn't do that. It was not a success. Kemba, in a limited role, has real legs because he won't have to play 82 games. He won't have to play 70 games. There's My biggest concern is the fact that this team with Terry Rozier on the roster, I, it, those two guys just can't play together. Not for any meaningful stretch of time. And especially if, if Steve Clifford wants this team to play defense, you can't throw Kemba Walker and Terry Rozier out onto the same court together. Even as good of a scorer as Kemba, Kemba is, even as good of a catch-and-shoot guy as T-Row is, unless you just put them around all seven-footers. That is a real concern. The Hornets' love of diminutive point guards, Devontae Graham, Kemba Walker, Terry Rozier, Isaiah Thomas, it's a little perplexing. But I'll just start with this, guys. Do you guys believe that it's time for a Kemba reunion? Because I know Mac Attack came out and it sounded like everybody was on board on the Mac Attack. But I think it is how the Hornets decide to handle it. And I, and I think this is another important point. I also think when Kemba, I think the I, I think you have to have the, the conversation, well, if LaMelo were to miss time, Terry's probably going to be the starting point guard as well. As long as Kemba's willing to accept that role, I think it's a no-brainer. It's not without downside. If the Hornets uh, take a step back this year or if they miss the playoffs again or get blown out in the playing games, it'll be looked at the same way as Cam and Marty and all these other ones. But I don't think the stakes are as high bringing back Kemba in that role as all those other stakes were. I think the Hornets need a good backup point guard who's been in the league, who knows the NBA wars, and I think that can be Kemba Walker, especially if he's just going to be had for the vet men. Is it time for a Kemba reunion in Charlotte? Nick Ashu of BetQL in Washington uh, Sports Talk Radio joins us to talk about Dan Snyder and whether he'll survive in Washington as owner on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Baker week is rolling along. I'm feeling just so good. That Baker news could not have come at a better time. Although for Baker, they probably could have made that trade about two months earlier. Uh, but Baker Mayfield's a Carolina Panther. Uh, and our our old friends, uh, Ron, Riverboat Ron, the Hern Dog Millionaire, Marty Herney, they're also going into year three while Matt Rule goes into year three here. They're going into year three in Washington to talk about what is probably not as bad of a bleep show as it was when Ron Rivera showed up. What is still unequivocally one of the NFL's biggest bleep shows because of Dan Snyder 
in Washington with the Commanders. We welcome on, you know him from uh, Washington Sports Talk Radio, CBS Sports Radio Network, BetQL. He's gone national on us. It's Nick Ashu on the guest line. What's up, buddy? How are you, sir? I bet you've had a uh, fun last few days down there, haven't you? I'm emotionally exhausted. I'm just going to be real honest with you. I got I got two hours left in the week, and uh, I'm going to have a good cry at about 159 today. How about you? How's your week going? <laughs> Listen, Baker Mayfield has given everybody content, not just you down there, but literally across the country. So thank God that trade happened. Uh, that and then Kevin Durant. You know, it's like this is that time of year where there's not much going on. Do so you pray for any sort of type of news to come out? And we've gotten two gold over the last what three or four days the only thing is i'm you know i'm it's that old adage uh when somebody has been starving for a month and you know you can't just hand them a cheeseburger because they'll eat themselves to death that's 100 percent what i'm on the auspices of is of eating my fat ass to death here but let's go to uh let's dine on some dysfunction here dan snyder uh, one of the reports that has come out with this latest thing with Congress investigating him for just an awful toxic culture in Washington was that uh, even though they hadn't been able to serve him and get him in before con- Congress, he had um, he had offered to like zoom in, like be like appear before Congress in Zoom, which is the ultimate billionaire move. I'll just ask you, is is Dan Snyder going to survive this? I don't know anymore. Like there have been so many things over the years, let alone what we've had recently that have told you, well, there's no way the NFL can keep this guy around, right? There's no way that this, Oh no, they still, Oh, you've only fined him $10 million. Oh, Roger Goodell thinks that's enough. Oh wait, now there's more. Now there's more allegations. Here's the thing. I've been convinced over the years that the owners love Dan Snyder, not because they like being around him, but because he makes everybody in ownership around the NFL look better compared to him. Like he's the guy that when you're dating somebody and then she's got a sister and her sister's dating a complete idiot, you automatically look better to the family. That's who Dan Snyder is. But the question becomes, is this finally enough to push him out? And it all comes down to the actual owners doing it. When we've had those reports about him having different books uh, and essentially taking money away from the owners, that's what changes things. As you know, it usually just comes down to money. Washington didn't change their name until sponsors started pulling their sponsorship and FedEx threatened to take their name off of the field and that whole thing, which is you should do anyway, because it's the ugliest stadium in the NFL. So it, it's, it's, and also the worst experience. There's literally a poll out there that has Washington's game day experience as the worst in the NFL. So there you go. But all of these things as he's run the organization into the ground and has all of these allegations against him and all of this legal proceedings and everything that goes far above my head without a legal degree. I, I still sit here and say he's like he's Teflon, as most owners really are, and I don't know for certain whether he's going to be pushed out or not. And that's the scary part about all this. What's crazy about this is, like, I, I Jack, you know, uh, Dan Snyder took over for Jack Kent Cook, who was, let's just say, not a great human being, and uh, and then he took over for the guy that took over for for George Preston Marshall, who was uh, in favor of racial segregation. <laughs> So, like, is there something – Did was there a curse put on the, the commander's organization that was founded? Like, is it is it in the bylaws that an awful human being has to own the franchise? I'm just trying to figure this out because I feel very sympathetic for commander's fans. 
You know, it, it sure seems like there's some sort of curse, right? It goes from bad owner to bad owner, but at least under Jack Kent Cook, as awful as he was, and by the way, the way he was portrayed early on in winning time was the late with the Lakers. Oh, man, like that really painted him in a, a real negative light, but they were winning, and people don't care what, you know, how good or how bad the, the owner is if he's not breaking obvious laws if the team is winning. Fair or unfair, that's just the reality of the way most things are in professional sports. Winning cures all. They say that for a reason. And, you know, the difference here is that nobody likes Dan Snyder, whether it's around the NFL or it's the fan base or uh, general, but the team's also not winning. And their value has continued to plummet because fans are sick and tired of it. And on top of that, he can't get anyone to help, like, to vote to allow them to build a new stadium. I mean, it's a, they're just having trouble in Maryland now. Virginia's already basically said, uh-uh, D.C.'s pushing it out, and that's the only place they should be is where RFK Stadium is. It's, it's an utter disaster, and it's been a disaster from the beginning. My issue has always been, and this is not just with the NFL, but this is across the board, we allow these owners to have so much control. It's almost like it's a pure immunity across the board. In any other job, other than a politician, obviously, can you imagine somebody being as bad at their job and bad as, as, as a leader as somebody like Dan Snyder and then still being able to keep that job? It's unbelievable. He's done everything Dan Snyder touches falls apart. Every other business he's had, it's plummeted in terms of value. But yet, this guy continues to be in charge of an organization. I understand they're owners, but we need to find ways to make it so owners are held more accountable because when you're doing this for two decades and he's not the only horrible owner, obviously, but it devalues the franchises around the NFL. I understand they're worth billions, but the Washington commanders, when they were the Redskins, you you used to be worth, they were the second or third most valuable franchise in the NFL. They've plummeted. They're barely middle of the pack in the NFL now, let alone the rest of the world and all those rankings. So a lot of that just falls on him and how he's run this team. So something needs to be done so you don't have a position like this where it's downright impossible for an owner to be pushed out. I, I don't know what it is. Smarter people than me would come up with better solutions, but it's an absolute disaster across the board. Nick, I would say Congress. You asked who can be this bad at their job and keep their uh, keep their job. Congress. Yeah, that's, that's why I said politicians. That's why I said politicians, <laughs> but you're right. Specifically Congress, because there's nobody better at just not doing anything and holding on to their job than people with lifetime contracts to run this country. It's great. It's like we have this age now where people start to have mandatory retirements in their 60s or 70s and they're pushed out. Yet all those people that are considered unemployable around most jobs around this country, they're all running our country now. So sure, yeah, everything's been great. That's another thing that needs to be fixed, but that would take a whole other day for us to have that conversation. I just like Congress and investigating dan snyder for creating an unsafe environment uh in in you know what he ran as like the spider-man versus spider-man meme that's what it feels like to <laughs> yeah. me like yeah <laughs> it really is oh you got a lot of balls congress saying this about uh, dan snyder or anybody else nick ashu bet ql cbs sports radio network on the guest line here let's go to riverboat ron a lot of fans in this town a lot of people still love him from a cultural standpoint and a football standpoint, has Ron, uh, Ron Rivera and, of course, Jason Wright, the, the team president who was hired in the midst of the beginning of the scandal, have they made a dent in the cultural and football issues for the commanders? Yeah, I would argue they made a dent, but there's still, look, there's still a long way to go. And some of it is just reputation, right? It's really hard to shake a reputation as a dysfunctional organization or a complete idiot when you go out with your friends. It's hard for anybody to shake those types of reputations. And that's, that's kind of really where they are right now. I think people are frustrated with the way year two went under Rivera, mainly with the start. 
like I kept trying to point out to people, do you see their schedule? Do you see the quarterback gauntlet they're going through? It's going to be a rough start for this team. They finished seven and ten after starting off two and six, and to me, I consider that a win given the injuries and a lot of guys missing time because of COVID late in the year as well. When it comes to the whole culture thing, I mean, attitude reflects leadership, and the very top of the board in terms of leadership is still the owner of of this team, and that that is still trickled down through the rest of the organization. Now, there was like a head the head trainer got. You know, his place raided by the FBI for something uh, a while ago, and you're going, well, Ron Rivera hired him, and this is a problem. So you see things like that that are still issues, but the reality of it is it, it is still better, but the, the bar is so low and the floor was so low that anything compared to pre-Ron Rivera is better. I think there's frustrations at times with – uh, his inability to adjust, he's very stubborn, which I'm sure you know from his time down there as well, where it's kind of like, this is the plan, this is the game plan, this is my lineup, these are the guys that I like, and we're going to keep going with it. Um, so it, it's it's a little bit, it's I call it a mixed bag, you know? The, the standards are just so low that I hate to say, like, things are so much better, but they are, but then you kind of look at it and go, this team may only win seven games again this year. So that brings the the point here. Uh, is is Ron? Should we consider him on the hot seat going into year three? You know that that's a question I was asking at the end of last year. I would not. I certainly wouldn't put him where Matt Rule is, but I would say that his seat is slightly warm. At least one butt cheek is feeling warm right now. You know, the seat warmer in the car has just started to warm up, but it's only on two dots, so it's just getting to that point. It's not hot, but it's warm for him right now. Uh, you know, you I always wonder too, and it's the same thing going on for you down there. You know, with Matt Rule, where it's like if you don't have your franchise quarterback, how much leash leeway do you get? as a head coach before it's finally like, you've had all your chances. We can't do this anymore. Like Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Great. But we know Carson Wentz can be really good and Carson Wentz can be an utter disaster. So what Carson Wentz are you getting? What does this season look like for the team? Look, they've, they've got a lot of offensive weapons. There's no question. This, this trio of Terry McLaurin, if Curtis Samuel is healthy, cause he wasn't healthy last year, Jahan Dotson, who they drafted Logan Thomas, even a tight end. Like that's, that's a lot of weapons for Carson Wentz right there. They've improved their offensive line. But, you know, they did, they did lose, you know, obviously you lose a, a one offensive lineman who goes to the Jaguars. So it's, this team should be better. But I just always worry about the expectations when they start to get like they were even before last year where this defensive line, oh, man, they're going to be great. And then they completely just throw up all over themselves at the beginning of the season and look like a disaster. It's – like I said, it's, I know this is a long-winded answer, but it's like really hard to just pinpoint one thing with him because he's had so much to deal with coming in where overall it's better. I think a lot of the fan base is just kind of like meh to the whole team at this point. Nick, if I can go back two years in a DeLorean and tell Riverboat Ron, do do nothing else, do everything else by, by your gut, but you're, you're taking Justin Herbert at two instead, instead of Chase Young. How different does the last two years look if you just change that single decision? Well, as you know, having a franchise quarterback changes a lot. Your ceiling is always lower as a franchise when you don't have it, and I think that makes a world of a difference. And it's crazy to think back on that. And we do that all the time with these drafts, right, where you look at it two, three years later and go, you passed on this guy or you passed on – well, at the time, Chase Young was seen as a can't-miss prospect. And look – he can still be a great pass rusher. Like his career is still just starting to be written. The reality of it is you got to have a quarterback and Justin Herbert looks, I mean, Justin Herbert's the favorite to lead the league in passing yards this year. I mean, he's high up there on the MVP odds. There's, there's all of these situations where you look around and go, 
man, that kid can do it all. But there were questions about him coming out of college. There were questions about whether or not he could be a consistent franchise quarterback. So I get why they did it in that sense. But, yeah, you absolutely would say take the quarterback over the pass rusher. You can go find pass rushers in other ways. You know how hard it is to find a quarterback. Follow this man on the Twitter machine, at Nick Ashu, and check out his work. BetQL, CBS Sports Radio, uh, still does work uh, up there in Washington, D.C. on Sports Talk Radio as well. Nick, you are fantastic, my guy. Uh, hopefully, Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield ball out, and we get to talk at some point about them in the playoffs facing off, and we get to tell everybody else to suck it for at least one, one uh, postseason. It would be a glorious, glorious time, and I will do a whole hour with you if we get to do that. It would be amazing. All right, that's a verbal contract now. Be good, my guy. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Nick Ashu there. Again, check him out. Uh, one of my favorite dudes in radio, just good at his job and always loves to get down and have some fun. Nick Ashu on Twitter. But the Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ faithful have spoken. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Radio 92.7 FNC. Zach Gelb joins us of CBS Sports Radio coming up in 40 minutes. Uh, he has followed Matt Rule since the Temple days. We'll get his thoughts on the Baker Mayfield deal. Also, Matt Rule heading into year three. But uh, the Sports Radio 92.7 FNC faithful have spoken. And it has left me feeling a little bit guilty. I don't know if I feel incredibly guilty, but a little guilty is the way that I would define this. Because yesterday, at the end of the show, Jessica Charman surprised Itty Bitty Fitty to clap back at at what have been heinous and, and ludicrous outbursts at the British people. And she challenged Itty Bitty Fitty's self-assertion that he was WFNZ's most eligible bachelor. And she challenged me. As unbiased, impartial observer to throw up the candidates, Adnick Wilson says, and let the people vote. And one, I got to admit, right, I completely forgot about putting smoke on this. And so I didn't even think about it. You had made some joke and you had said the words poll and smoke in the exact same, like, two, like in one sentence. And I just thought you were being dirty. Yeah. I didn't even realize you were trying to hint to me about uh, Smoke Ludwig. So, Smoke is one of my. I just love that young man, and I just. I, I so I, I apologize to Smoke Ludwig first off, and then I didn't realize that I was also putting you under the bus. Like, okay, I knew I was putting you under the bus. You I knew what you were doing. I did. Okay, okay, but this happens sometimes. You start bleep, and you don't necessarily realize that you're about to start a wildfire, all right? Sometimes you think, I'm just going to flick this match and see if this brush catches on fire. A day later, you're on national news because you're being charged with a felony. <laughs> That's effectively what happened because you got destroyed. I did. You got absolutely destroyed on this. 9% of 356 votes because the final results are in. On who deserves the title of Sports Radio 92.7 FNC's most eligible bachelor. So I guess if I apologize to Smoke, you're my boy. You're my ride or die every day on the radio. 
I'm sorry. The Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ faithful have spoken, and your ass got destroyed. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's uh, it's a tough defeat, um, but I, I look at this with a different angle. Now that I'm coming from the the losing side looks at it like this. The people that got the most votes are the people that the listeners feel the most sorry for. So, therefore, I'm actually the winner because they <laughs> they feel the least sorry for me as they do for Jim Selania, Boney, and Flound. I don't think anybody feels sorry for Jim Selania. <laughs> Jim, well, has, Jack. Jim, Jim has a beautiful young pup. He's got fat stacks. His G's, he's, he's beyond G's. He might be to M's. He might be he to B's. B's. He could be all the way to T's. Who the hell knows? <laughs> I realize how bad all of that sounded. Because <laughs> all of those words could be something else. <laughs> but I don't think anybody's feeling sympathy for Jim Selania. And oh, by the way, the man has so many B's and T's and M's. He just sit around having a couple of uh, silver bullets or banquet beers throughout the day and not think of it. Jim Selene is a legend. I, I, your, your theory could kind of track with Flounder. Or no, no, it really tracks with Flounder. Your theory could maybe track for some people with T-Bone. I can't allow with, with Selene. I think the fitty fiction falls short. Yeah, like I was also put in a really bad situation because, uh, you know, at six oh eight in the morning, this poll got brought up, and uh -huh. Mac made it his his personal vendetta for the the next four hours of the Mac attack to make sure Flounder didn't lose. Mm -hmm. He brought my hairline into mm -hmm. the equation. Which look, so this was basically they knew Flounder wasn't going to win, but they didn't want Flounder losing to me. Okay. And I, didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't realize that people had influenced the poll negatively. It, yeah, it was. And yes. I think if anybody has learned anything about Nick Wilson. Uh, in four years, I have been all about treating polls with fairness. This is an out. Uh, if I were you, I, I'm not, um, <laughs> you know, because because I have regular DTPT time. Um, <laughs> my G's are more up. Uh, I might put up my own poll. And I if I were you, maybe I would I would just say take itty bitty finish poll. I would allow, I would offer your poll up to Charlotte, just completely rework it. Maybe this time leave Jim Selenia out. But so in this, Jessica Charman did challenge me via Twitter mm -hmm. that if I were to lose, would I change my bio on Twitter? Because I put it in my bio. Yeah. After you declared me the most eligible bachelor of FNZ, I just added it to my Twitter bio, hoping it would catch along with single Twitter. Mm -hmm. They get me very far. It's Single a, Twitter is not a place you want to – That that's like looking for love in the swamps of Florida. You're going to find a gator, and you're going to be bitten in half. I would can, not uh, do that. But And so when the poll went final, I updated my bio. It now reads, voted fourth most eligible, <laughs> eligible bachelor at WFNZ. I tweeted it at Jessica Charman. Uh -huh. We are on – Good graces. Mm -hmm. We we should also learn her birthday is the day before mine. We're unofficially now birthday buddies. Uh, no, me and Jessica Charman are birthday buddies because we're our birthday is the same day. Yeah, you are birthday adjacent to Jessica Charman. You're mm. not birthday buddies, right? You're birthday neighbors, but not birthday buddies. I got you there. You kind of got to take that L. 
And I'm sorry because I realized I just handed you another L and that was not the point. I was I was trying to use this segment to help build you up and I just hit you again. So, no, you're totally birthday buddies. <laughs> Same thing. Besties. This was all your fault, though. I think I you knew from it. the beginning that I was doomed. You did vote for me, though, mm -hmm. and I voted, of course, for myself. Yeah. So so let me let me actually tell that story. So yesterday and again this was the idea here with allowing people to vote on who deserves the title of sports radio 92.7 fnz's most eligible eligible bachelor was that jessica charman challenged itty bitty fitty on it and i thought it was a fair challenge he had self-anointed it and i knew i knew i was going to start you know what for my boy but much like the accidental arsonist that i occasionally am like an hour in you had, like, no votes. I think the only vote was mine. <laughs> you, had, you had no <laughs> votes. And I I sheepishly, while driving to my PhD meeting, opened up the Nick Wilson Show Twitter, which, as I posted the, the Twitter, uh, the, the, the poll on at Nick Wilson says, I cannot vote for it. It's my own poll. You can't take your own poll. I think everybody knows that. So I went to at Nick Wilson Show and I didn't even tell you this. You didn't find out about this till this morning. I went in and I, and I, I, it would have been really funny if I had voted for anybody else, but I couldn't do it. I, the guilt was the Catholic guilt or the lapsed Catholic guilt that I felt caused me to hit itty bitty fitty. And I felt like I did the right thing. Am I allowed to call out the Wilson warriors for not voting for their guy? Like, I am what makes the show goes around. That's what you say all the time. Yeah, it's the itty-bitty-fitty show that's going away, <laughs> not the Nick Wilson show. Everybody knows that. I really thought the faithful listeners from 10 to 2 were, were going to come to my defense, and they they failed me. Uh, they're actually doing the opposite of coming to your fence right now. They're still roasting me. Stanford P. <laughs> Uh, Stanford B saying, you sleep with a bleeping stuffed ram. What did you expect, bro? It's you got on the shelf now. You he got, watches me sleep. You got, that's not better. All right? <laughs> now you've now Ramsey is some sort of sadistic voyeur <laughs> who is waiting for you to bring some harlot home from Twitter that you found on social media. I don't know you acquitted yourself, but you've got legendary listeners and callers of the station broing on the garage door guru text line is this is this your rock bottom is this the bottom that you have to take so that you can rise from the ashes like the phoenix and maybe start to get dtpt again i'm glad you used the analogy correctly this time because you completely slandered it in the beginning of the show this this may be an all-time low like, I lost to a man who talks more to a dog than women, mm -hmm. um, a man who paints bricks and Wait, drinks beer. you're suggesting that. You're oh, no he, no, he admitted that on the air. Oh, no, T-Bone, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Selenia for a minute, and then I realized they're both, uh, they both probably have more dog conversations than people conversations. You know, but if if I were to lose to all three guys... There's no one I'd rather lose to more than my best friend Flounder. Mm -hmm. So like that's only one I'm not taking personally. All right, so let's he take needs you, a victory lap. Let's take you out of the equation because you think you're Charlotte's most eligible bachelor. Yes. Uh, and, and sorry, 92.7 FNZ's most eligible bachelor. But let's take you out of this. You get a vote, and it's the other three. Who are you voting for? Flounder. I I disagree. 
I think if I think I think I think you should look at this as you took a bullet for your friend. Cuz I think in the reality T-Bone he's got a show. Uh he's been on Charlotte Radio for a long time. Uh he's got a great dog. He's got an apartment. It's very nice, very funny. Um, Jim Selenia has got those G's. Jim Selenia yesterday came on and was like, ladies, here's why you got to vote for me. Uh, I'm not going to live much longer. You just got to put up with me for a little bit and then you're going to take my money, which I thought was the most brilliant and honest sales pitch I've ever heard about why somebody should date a man of Jim Selenia's age <laughs> with all the things that come with dating with Jim Selenia. If there's sugar babies out there, I'd say Jim Selenia, but I think it's T-Bone. I think it is. I think T-Bone is the most eligible bachelor. Hell, I think if we just put Smoke, Flounder, and you up, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to quit you right now. This is what I'm going to do. Adnick no, Wilson says, no, see, because who I, is the third most eligible bachelor on sports radio, 92.7 FNZ? Is it Smoke Ludwig? Is it Inebefe? Is it Flounder? I, I think I, I think you're finally going to get some votes here. I can't handle back-to-back -back L's, man. No, no, no. Because I'm all, it's only running through the end of the show. All right? If McLean, if if Chris McLean is going to come out here and he's going to sway polls in Charlotte, if he's going to have influence over polls in this town, then I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to rig-proof this poll. At Nick Wilson says. I was trying to realize I was walking a line there with how I was saying it. <laughs> Hogger just walked by and gave me that look of like, you're walking a line there, Willen. He was eyeing the dump button. <laughs> 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 Who is Charlotte's third, or sorry, Sports Radio 92.7 FNC's third most eligible bachelor? Is it Smoke? Is it Flounder? Is it Abefe? The next rendition, the next play of this week's hack song on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.